0: Hello everyone, Mike Springston from Mike Springston FFC Podcast back with you today. We want to welcome in our Facebook friends who also join us to study the Word of God. Today we're looking at part two of using the name of Jesus effectively and correctly. And uh, we're going to continue to unfold, unravel this for you So that we can understand why things in our world have gone so sideways. And they've done so because we have misunderstood the Word of God. We've misunderstood the teaching. We've misunderstood the use of the name of Jesus. We have never come to the conclusion that we are in fact operating in a spiritual warfare. So we want to welcome in all those of you from around the world. That Listen to us and download us on podcast. Our podcast downloading in the last month is up over 500%. We appreciate that. We uh, thank you from the bottom of our heart for being a part of our ministry. We want to welcome your contact at springston56 at gmail.com, dot ffcma.org or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. We'd love to hear from you, encouragement, thoughts, questions, whatever the case may be. Maybe God is laying us on your heart for some type of a special meeting, special service. We'd love to be a part. Well, uh, we're going to have a word of prayer and then we're going to go right into the teaching today on part two of using the name of Jesus both effectively and correctly. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Open our eyes that we can see in our ears, that we can hear in our heart, that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us, and then um, may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Jesus, speak to us directly out of the throne room of God. Through the Holy Spirit, we'll surrender ourselves, yield ourselves, and sanctify ourselves to that end. Show us what we need to know, do understand, and demonstrate. As you do, Father. We will receive it and release it to your people. We ask you in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. Amen and Amen. Two quick things before I move forward. Remember that in March, our YouTube channel will be changing channels to Mike Springston Ministries FFC. We hope all those of you that are currently following us and have subscribed to us on YouTube. Under the old channel, will follow us into the new channel. There'll be a whole lot more information on there, and so uh, we want you to be a part of that. And then I want to uh, uh, let you know that beginning the 25th of February on Sunday evening the 25th, Juliana West will begin a women's meeting at the church uh, at 2237 South McKinney Road, our home sanctuary on Sunday evening, um, and uh, inviting all of you women from our listening region to come and join with her and engage in the study of God's Word. Today we're going to begin by looking into 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now Paul leads us into part two of understanding the use of the name of Jesus with this statement. We do not ever want to be in a position where Satan can gain any advantage over us or against us. We will only be at the advantage when we know what the truth is and how to operate in the truth. We should never be ignorant of the ways and the means that the devil will use to attempt to trap us and entangle us with the affairs of this life. As we said in part one, his goal is to steal. Now, what is he trying to steal, kill, and destroy? Some say he's trying to take your physical life. And in in the end result, That is true on the eternal level, and there are those that die early when they should not have died because they have not understood and not been ignorant to the devices of the devil. But in the meantime, he's trying to steal your spiritual walk, he's trying to destroy your confidence and hope in what Jesus has provided for you, and eventually to kill the spirit of truth that has been birthed in your inner man. Now, I hate to bring this to you, but it'll come out in this study. That's what many of our churches are, in fact, doing today. They've released this spiritual onslaught of doubt and unbelief that is literally stealing the spiritual walk of countless millions of people that is destroying their confidence and their hope in Jesus Christ, and that is killing them concerning the spirit of truth that was birthed in their inner man. Again, when we look at the scripture in John 10, 10, we are so attached to our human side That all we can see in the scripture is that he's trying to take something literal, money, finances, whatever the case. And although there is some truth in that, this thing is about a spiritual destruction, a spiritual death, a spiritual stealing. Now friends, our modern church world is stealing the truth of God's word from you. They are preaching doctrines that steal the truth of God's word from you. It's a sad state of affairs, but I'm showing you how this has occurred in the spiritual world and how through our doubt, unbelief, misrepresentation, and misuse of the name of Jesus in particular, this onslaught. Of demonic activity has been released, and the devil is stealing from you the promises that Jesus Christ operates in, and most particularly, the power and authority that's in his name. We are so attached to our human side that we can't see it. It's not in our human side, friend. His desire is the death of your spirit. It is the disconnection of you from the actions that Jesus accomplished on your behalf. Now when we go in and we begin to teach once in grace, always in grace, the secession of the Holy Spirit, uh, the fact that the name of Jesus is no longer operating in healing, uh, in deliverance and all of these types of things, what is happening? We have released upon ourself the destruction, the stealing of our spiritual self and we've disconnected from the things that Jesus did and accomplished on our behalf. Now if he can do that, the ultimate result of your spiritual self is brought to a negative spiritual conclusion. That means that your inner man disconnects and you are either living more closely to darkness than you are to light, or you are totally disconnected from light. Many today are denying their faith and falling to the deceptive acts of darkness. Wokeness is causing preachers to disconnect from the word of God and to disbelieve and to pronounce that they no longer are following the biblical scripture. Because they can see through paralysis by analysis that there are questions and so forth and so on. And we say, how could they? Why would they do that? Why would they fall for what is the oldest trick and the most common things that Satan has used? Why would they again go back to the surely he did not say? As they analyze and criticize the word of God and question the validity of scriptures, we ask, how could they? Well, the reason is very clear. I'm giving it to you now. They've always been on the fringe, even when they were trying to lead others, because they never understood the dynamics of the plan of salvation. They never understood the difference between what makes one simply a believer and what causes one to become a follower. In other words, they remain carnal. What is carnal? It's more attached to the physical world, which is attracted to darkness, than the spiritual world, which is attracted to light. How did it happen? It's simple. they simply did not become followers of Jesus Christ. They remained carnal. How could that happen? Well it's simple, very simple. They remained attached to the messaging that planned, planned and taught them that in this Christian life they were going to fall and get up. They were going to be engulfed by sin, And be forgiven. They were going to do sin. And then be forgiven. Yeah. The fall again and get up principle. The idea of carnality. Fall again and get up. This message of grace. As it is inappropriately taught today. What's the outcome? The spiritual war. That is inherent the world of which we are associated by being a human being that spiritual war is being lost they live more closely attached, now watch this, and attracted to darkness than light, how do I know this, well they get up and come to Christ They find what Christ did for them good as long as it's under the idea of grace. But the idea of living for Christ and following Christ becomes unsatisfactory because the possibility of sin which satisfies their flesh is placed in front of them. What do they do? They fall. Now watch this. When they fall, they are telling Jesus Christ that what he did in his death concerning their sin, well, it wasn't enough for them. Then they're also telling the grand design of God, which includes the operation of the Holy Spirit. And that being the man, the one... The person who accompanied him all the way through all every step from birth until he returned to be the man in the Godhead, that he cannot do the work he is assigned to help them become followers of Jesus Christ. Now they are reflecting the lack of work that was accomplished in their initial encounter with Jesus. They have no ability to allow the blood to appropriately apply grace through faith to produce in them the first phase of salvation that must occur, which is their ability to die and be crucified, to die to their flesh, to deposit their sin nature and come out of that region of the damned with Jesus Christ, robed in righteousness, they never develop self-control. Wow. They don't develop the ability to die. They have developed the ability to believe, and we have told them that's all that's necessary, and it is just not so. What a tragedy. Now they use the name of Jesus as they get up and fall, and get up, and fall, and what happens? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is watch. The spiritual attacks increase, and as they attack, they get greater and greater and greater. And what happens to those who are living in this spiritual battle with no spiritual defenses? They don't know how to use the name of Jesus Christ. They don't know how to control themselves and allow the Holy Spirit to train them. So what happens? Well, since they have no defense, the common things of personal satisfaction become so easy to gravitate to that they get up and they fall down and they get up and they fall down. Most say in their falling. now this is the common practice, well, God is trying to teach me something. I want to ask you a question. What would he be teaching you concerning sin and the practice of sin that you need to know when Jesus Christ took your sin and died, went to the grave buried that old sin there, went to hell, took the keys of death and hell, rose in robes of righteousness, why would God use sin to train anybody about anything that had to do with a sinless, perfected, and holy God? Now that's how far off the rails we've come. God's trying to show me something. That's why I'm struggling with the affairs of life. That's why I'm entwined and entrapped with the affairs because I, I'm, God needs to show me something, my friend. God has shown you something. It's called the remedy. His name is Jesus Christ, it's called the replication. His name is the Holy Ghost. His name, he's shown you how to grow in Christ and mature. And the process of how to eliminate sin out of your life. He's shown you all of that. But yet, our modern world calls you the righteousness of God. How can you be? You cannot be because the righteousness of God is not going to be entrapped and entangled with sin. But they don't see it. So, what happens in the modern ministry? They produce a doctrine, and it sounds good. But it's a misrepresentation of scripture, and the devil capitalizes on that error. And what does he do to you? He ramps up your attacks, he ramps up the pitfalls. He ramps up the entanglement. Eventually. Things such as sickness, disease, harm, injury, physical death, and other maladies come against you. And their response is, oh, brother, God's trying to teach you something. Friend, Jesus has already addressed it. He's already told you what you must do and how you must do it. But in our ignorance of scripture, ignorance of the devices of the devil, ignorance of truth, coupled with our ignorance of what the devil is trying to do, we totally miss the mark and we suffer. Our families suffer. Our children suffer. Our jobs suffer. Our finances suffer. We suffer. Our church suffers. There's no area of life that does not suffer when we're trying to live for Christ while exercising a carnal mind. We simply do not recognize do not desire to recognize, are not taught to recognize, are not preached to recognize. What is happening? But Paul said, don't put yourself in a position where the devil can take advantage of you because you're not ignorant of his tricks, are we not? Huh. This is a spiritual war, my friends the more we remain attached to the physical things and understand and remain in the carnal, extremely immature in Christ, the more issues we are heaping upon our own head. So what am I saying? Someone said, well, I thought God was in control of everything. He is, my friend. But God is faithful to his own word. When we live in error... We quote quote scripture in error. We use his name in error. He is going to be faithful to the parameters that he has set in the spiritual world. He has told you that Satan is here to steal your spiritual self, to destroy your spiritual self, and to kill the restored spirit That Jesus Christ gave you. He's told you that. So, in the spiritual world, there's a battle going on for your spiritual ability, your spiritual understanding, the destruction of your hope and your confidence, and eventually to bring to death your inner spirit man. So, we have opened the door of spiritual action by how we live against ourselves. God cannot deny himself. God cannot deny the structure that he has set forth. The spiritual world doesn't operate under natural laws, friend. For this reason, the very words that we speak must be guarded. As we release words that seem to express some feeling, a thought, or an attitude, the spiritual world is using that very thought, word, and attitude as an opportunity to operate in spiritual things concerning those words. You better guard your mouth, in other words. Do it at all times. This is a particular interest when you are using the name of Jesus, especially when you're using that name without the benefit of it being done from the release of Of his instruction. See, now we see why Jesus taught them when they asked him to pray, why he did not teach them to pray as he later taught them to pray when he was on his way to heaven to reveal how prayer should now be used once I'm there. He said, Our Father, which art in heaven, and he went through such a beautiful teaching. What a beautiful teaching it was. But when he got over into John 14, the concept of prayer was about to change because they would be benefited with the privilege of the power, authority, and supremacy that was going to be in that name until that day happened. They could not understand how he was not going to leave them and how he was not going to leave them comfortless, nor could they understand how he was going to manifest himself to them. So he taught them a completely different style of prayer whenever it affected and used the name of Jesus. Well, there's a contrast, my friend, to this topical message that is a message of error that's befallen the world and has led us into bondage. The very thing that Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord sent Him to do, which was release us from being poor, bruised, broken, blind, blind, and in bondage. The very thing that the Spirit of God, the engagement with the Holy Ghost, was to do, we have in our modern era, reverted right back to preaching a spirit of bondage before i go there let me allow, allow me to express this grace is a message that must be preached now it will be preached correctly when it is applied grace that allows you to move from a believer to a follower through the actions and replications of Jesus Christ. When applied grace is coupled with faith, then a believer goes from a believer to a follower. This is the message, my friends, that is not preached or taught in the modern church. Because of it, because of the use of the name of Jesus inappropriately, the devil in the spiritual world attacks and he attacks with all guns ablazing because he knows that you do not know how to apply grace. You do not know how to apply the name of Jesus and then you don't know how to use faith. Huh. We teach believing and then because believing alone allows one to remain attached to his natural side The people struggle with the troubles and the turmoils of this life. They remain disengaged from the actions of Jesus beyond the cross. Therefore, they're disengaged from the work of the Spirit. If you will notice, when Jesus taught how the Spirit would work, he went from sin to righteousness, then he went to the judgment of the devil. Huh? He went from sin, that's where you would begin. The Spirit would take you through the process and bring you out in righteousness. When you came out in righteousness, the judgment of the prison, of the power of the air would be so exposed that according to John 10, you'd never listen to that stranger again. That voice would become strange to you. This disengagement of the Holy Spirit, my friend, causes spiritual cracks that then bring into play Ephesians chapter 6, I believe it's verse 11, where the wiles of the devil, the inroads into your mind, they you are allowing the devil to take in and to enter into you. And the principalities and powers of rulers of darkness and high places are coming and attacking. If one was taught correctly, Then they would follow Jesus as Peter preached. They would grow into him. They would mature and bring their members. Now their members that Paul talked about represent their body and the body parts which make up that body. And they would all come into concert with the name of Jesus. Now again, I'm going to say this real quickly. Concert, when the members come into one body, is pictured in Jesus' teaching in Mark 16. where all of the body comes in concert to be one member and to be one with Christ, Jesus pictures that for you. He said, you'll obey the demonic, your tongue will speak. And your tongue will speak a new language. Nothing outside that the, member, the members of that body. Nothing inside the members of that body. And that body will transmit itself to others. What is happening here? The members are coming into concert with one. Once this is accomplished, the follower now becomes one with Christ. They are now in Christ Jesus. And their body becomes many members functioning and operating with their own life, their own operation, until they come into concert as one and they become a citizen of the kingdom of God. So now my hand no longer functions as just my hand. My hand is a part Of the body of Christ and the tabernacle of God resides in me, and I'm a kingdom of light so that my body no longer can run off on its own and touch the things, taste the things that are of the world because I'm a citizen of a new kingdom. I've been brought all of the members of my body, as Paul defines, under one citizenship. That answers to one king. Now, as I have that, my mastership changes. I'm no longer led by a stranger's voice, I only hear one voice. Now I'm in a body that has been changed. What does that mean to us? The parts no longer operate independently, they're all under the same shelter. The body operates under the kingdom of Jesus Christ and his lordship. And the commandment, look at what Paul said. We have never understood this. Our bodies have run off in directions in which we could not understand. We couldn't control our thinking. We couldn't control our seeing. We couldn't control our hearing. We couldn't control our speaking. Those led our hands and feet to go places that we shouldn't go. However, when we find Jesus Christ bleeding from seven different places, in that blood, he sanctified all of the body and brought them into one place where he, as the high priest, sanctified us and called us brothers. Brought us under one kingdom now, didn't he? Paul looks at this and he describes it for us. Romans chapter 1 through Romans chapter 7. Then he says, look, and the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid but sin that it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful for we know that the law is spiritual. Listen, but I am a carnal man sold under sin for that which I do I allow not but what I would that I do not but what I hate that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to him, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Paul is struggling with the very thing that is leading him back into common things. But then Paul took a turn of thought. He took a turn in his spirit. He took a turn in finding the fact of what Jesus said would be no condemnation and he entered into Romans 8. And when he found that, well, all of a sudden he could bring his members together all under one spirit, and that one spirit could defeat and destroy the old law of sin and death. We don't understand the coordinating effects of the work of Jesus Christ. We don't understand that when we enter into the force of righteousness, our members, our body, no longer operates with any form, sort, or style of independence. We no longer listen to the old law of sin and death our body operates as the tabernacle of the living God and we become one with him. We enter into a consolidated kingdom and in that kingdom, the name of Jesus is the supreme authority. When it's spoken by a citizen, the body of the citizen becomes quickened by that name. When it does, demons flee. Our tongue begins to speak with a new power and a new authority. Nothing outside of the consolidated body who is now a citizen of a new kingdom. Glory to God. Hurts us and nothing inside us Nothing in that consolidated body that is now under one with Jesus Christ, hallelujah, nothing in that consolidated body is ever allowed again to stray off on its own and hurt us. We are a consolidated citizen who becomes one with Jesus Christ. And when we speak his name, it is as if the kingdom and the king himself speaks. Glory to God. The voice rumbles through this earth like a thunderclap and hell stands still and every demon walks away, every demon piles, and the attack of the devil is not only stunned; it is thwarted and no weapon formed against me has any opportunity to prosper. Glory to his name. This is what we have done in Christ Jesus. This is how we follow him. My friend, this piercing of the natural then manifests the words, actions of Jesus so that they are replicated by the Holy Ghost. Manifestation occurs. We don't want to do that in our world. We want to be weak. We want to be buggered, we want to be bruised, and we want to give them names, oppression, depression, anxiety, concession. We want to give them all these clinical names as if they all ought to be a part of who we are. They're not a part of the kingdom of God. And if they're not a part of the kingdom of God, and I am a citizen who has made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then they are not a part of me. Glory to God. I'm a kingdom. I'm a kingdom man. I'm a kingdom man. I'm a citizen and my body is consolidated to that end. Hallelujah. Now, when I speak the name of Jesus, the spiritual world sits up and takes ear. My God, where did 35 minutes go? Father, I praise you for the word of God. I worship you and honor you today. You are the magnificent King. And I present me as a citizen to you my body consolidated until the name of Jesus resonates in my world. And I have the ability to transfer that name into others. I bless you now and I praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you. We'll see you tonight. At 6.30, please come and see us. We'll be teaching more about this from Colossians chapter 3. God bless you, Facebook friends. God bless you, my family of podcast viewers. We love you and appreciate you. May God richly bless you. Find him as Lord, my friend, and there you'll have the privilege to use that name. Find him as the man in the Godhead, and there you will have the advantage to profit with all and know things that are to come. God bless you.